0: This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to the Media Week Podcast. My name's James Manny from Media Week. I'm with Crudy Joshi, the Deputy Editor of Media Week. We're in at News Corp today with Sarah Lamarquand. Sarah, welcome. Now, you've got a new role, Editor-in-Chief of Stellar.
1: Yes, and finally people are going to know what that means. <laughs> uh, I think everyone understands what editor-in-chief means, but what is Stella apart from um, being something that prompts us all to do good Marlon Prando impersonation? <laughs> Stella! <laughs> um, Stella is uh, not just a famous... Uh, punchline in a film, it is uh, a magazine that's launching on Sunday, August 28, in the three Sunday uh, News Corp papers along the eastern seaboard. So the Sunday Telegraph in New South Wales, the Sunday Herald sign in Victoria, and the Sunday Mail in Queensland. First time ever a glossy magazine's gone into Queensland. So very exciting and huge reach.
0: Yeah. Now, if I'm right, this sort of takes you back to magazines Where you sort of worked earlier on in your career, right? Yes.
1: Actually, I, I very much is bringing me um, full circle. I did. I started in magazines uh, in 2000 and worked there for a few years and then started at News Corp in 2005. Um, James, that's when you and I first <laughs> met because I was the TV writer for the Daily Telegraph and yeah. you know was out there on um, some of the TV show and, and media circuit and then uh, worked through various roles at News Corp over the following years. I became the film editor and eventually the features editor for the Daily Telegraph. Um, And then I went on maternity leave um, and when I came back, Started over as a columnist, so moved then into uh, six years in in opinion, where I was doing columns, and then became the opinion editor for the Daily Telegraph, and then uh, started Rendezvous, the opinion site, and that's right now with Stella, I've come back to where it all began, (laughs) which is um, magazines, but of course a magazine inside newspapers. So it's sort of the perfect culmination, I suppose, of those two worlds, magazines and newspapers, and they coexist in Stella.
2: Stella obviously replaces Sunday Star, which had a huge following, you know a huge market brand name. so what's sort of what's the pressure like in terms of your launch issue, because you know some of the readers mm-hmm. will obviously be mourning the loss of Sunday Star that they've so been used to? I
1: was a columnist with Sunday Style from when it first launched in March 2013 when Kerry McCullum launched it for News Corp. So I've been part of the fabric of Sunday Style. I have great affection and love for Sunday Style, good relationship with the team there. So um, I, I completely uh, am comfortable that all the people that love Sunday Style will find things that they love in st- Stella because it's the same great creative team, the same creative director, great art team um, you've seen some of the layouts you can see it's a beautiful looking magazine very ambitious shoots great fashion team so we'll be doing all of our own fashion shoots in Stella magazine across four pages uh, plus a, 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 a flat lay fashion page We've got our same beauty director, Cleo Glide. So all of that beauty and glamour and great lifestyle content that was in Sunday style will all be there in, in Stella. It's just that Stella is um, more substantial in terms of its features. It's got some longer reads, which I think is something that a lot of um, the magazine inserts in the newspapers are sometimes lacking. So we're trying to really fill that niche, which is taking all of that beauty and and Aspiration, wonderful images and high production value. So it's a very premium product, but with those really solid reads that really, um, you know, are best provided by uh, experienced newspaper writers and very fortunate to have a lot of those on board contributing to Stella.
0: Um, She's doing a good job of selling this. I I can't wait a a week, but, but I just want to jump in and ask, I feel obliged to ask, if this was a... if. The old one was a good brand. Mm. Um, Were you involved in discussions at all? Look, could we keep the brand and just supercharge it or just start afresh.
1: Now, my involvement with um, Stella, uh, I started there on July 4th, so for me uh, I had, was told that the company had really decided to really gun up its investment in the Sunday product, so obviously you would be aware that there's been some talk about that at News Corp this year, mm-hmm. that they uh, rebranded Body and Soul earlier this year, then there was the relaunch of escape.com.au, and it's all been building to uh, Stella, so this is the biggest launcher of the year for, for News corp australia a little bit a little bit of pressure there i'll admit it's a tiny bit of pressure um but it it actually isn't a relaunch it really is a whole new product and going into queensland is a big shift as well because like i say is the first time a glossy magazine's gone in there it's a lot of excitement in queensland we're having a launch up in Brisbane on on August 30, and I'll be going up to that. So obviously we're working very closely with the Queensland team. So it really is its own new magazine, and obviously there have been different incarnations of the Sunday magazine in the past, but we just see this as stellar. It really is the launch of of a new era for, for that team and for the readers, and so I think it's got all the best of what came before it. Uh, Like I say, you know, it won't be too much of a uh, a cultural shift for the people that were wedded to it, but obviously we'd be hoping that a lot more eyeballs will come to Stella than would have on a Sunday supplement in the past. And certainly in terms of demographic, it will be still appealing to women. It's an all-female team, except for our uh, token male, our our (laughs) photo editor. We let some guys in the building. Um, But you can see from the first issue some of the people that we've got in for instance our Q&A which is a really prominent two pages up the front is with Daniel Ricardo. so and we will be having a lot of famous sportsmen and uh, high profile male Australians playing quite a, a critical role in the first few issues and moving forward and we have male contributors so it will be uh, a, a more broad demographic that certainly is a lot more appealing to men.
2: Um, so I spoke to Nick Smith, the publisher of Stella, earlier in the year, and I in throughout that article in Media Week, I kept on saying it was a relaunch. Now, listening to you, I think that might have been a very loose use of the term. But having said that, with Sunday Style, it, it is seizing publication, and essentially News Corp is launching a new brand. Mm. So in terms of the tone of the magazine, what's different about that?
1: So, first of all, it is a much more mass title and the, the demographic is, is very broad. So, the demographic graphic is 25 through to 54. Uh, so, obviously, Sunday Style was a, a very... Older. Yeah, a little older. That's right, James. And um, Sunday Style did skew uh, a little younger, a little more uh, female in um, the the point that it was uh, potentially alienating to men. It was something that women would die for in the paper, but they're... Um, Uh, other half wouldn't necessarily be grabbing it for them. We've certainly seen the men that have seen the the cover of the issue that will be in the paper this Sunday, uh, that they've certainly grabbed it themselves as well, Uh, not just because of the pretty women, but because there is content that talks to them. So it is certainly uh, a much more mass market title than Sunday style was. Um, But again, like I say, we're still trying to maintain all of those really that premium feel and, and the high production lifestyle values Um, so it will be replicated again by really utilizing that great talent so again i've obviously worked on in the newspaper culture here for 11 years and there's great people across all of the tiles, you know jordan baker uh, and angela mollard Andrew Rule, Francis Whiting. There's a lot of talent from the mastheads to be tapped into in the magazine, really good feature writers, uh, you know, reporters that we can tap for a one-off that are doing around, you know, Jessica Halloran, for instance, uh, you know, I would say probably one of the best sports writers in all of Australia. She's done some great work uh, for her role in the Daily and Sunday Telegraph. She did a lot of work for me at, at Rendezvous. She was actually nominated for the inaugural Women's Leadership Award for the Walkleys this year for a series of work that she did for Rendezvous and she's someone that is already working on some really solid features for us at Stella. So I think it's going to have uh, some of that masthead uh, meat to it and that real substance and weight and that obviously is um, a departure from where it's been in the past.
0: The the old one had a little bit of hipster about it too. It was a bit, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. very Surrey Hills, yes. very Fitzroy maybe, you know. That's right. Try to reach out a bit to maybe viewers yep. outside the I inner city. That, as well. I think
1: it's fair to say this would definitely be um, less hipster. I've been called many things. <laughs> um, I don't know that hip has ever been one of them. I, I, it certainly will still be beautiful. We want you to read it and feel transported in the way that... that I think that's the point of a magazine, isn't it? Uh, you want... I mean, I'm a big magazine reader. I subscribe to, um, you know, eight or nine magazines from around the world and always have a big pile on the coffee table at home. So there is... You want to get wrapped up in the the, 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 the photography and the fashion and all of those beautiful spreads. So that I think that's absolutely integral to any sort of magazine, certainly very much at the core of Stella. But in terms of the hipster cool edge, it certainly will be um, people that might have read Sunday Style and thought, oh, wow, this magazine's making me feel really old. They certainly won't have that reaction when they read Stella.
2: So you talked about... Stella reaching towards a mass market and you're pulling in more male audience as well um, and you also earlier mentioned that it's quite the first issue has a lot of women speaking and a lot of women focused centric articles mm-hmm. with the first issue if if that is something that you're aiming for that mass audience isn 't that something that you would you would have been conscious of of getting more you know male stories in as well, so having Daniel a good Ricardo, man, mm-hmm. Daniel Ricardo's yeah. in there, but come on he 's an eye candy for women as well. <laughs> Well
1: that well that's great. So, well the, I, I... Yeah, it's so interesting this discussion of the uh, male versus female demographic and this did mm. come up a lot in you know my previous endeavor which was mm. rendezvous mm. and uh, was staffed by women and obviously um, had a lot of female writers mm. but you know our readership en- ended up at about 50 50 so that's trafficking at about 50 percent male 50 percent female so I always think you yes. know it's a little bit of a furphy that we talk uh, a lot about you know women's content And I've been... um, Rendezvous was targeted in an article in The Guardian last year where, you know, they talk about... uh, you know, that it, it used to be the women's pages, and now, you know, it's sort of like the, the pink room. And I was thinking, there is nothing pink about Rendezvous. <laughs> I think that says more about the prejudice of the people that make those observations that they think that we're being cordoned off into women's products. I mean, at Rendezvous, we were just writing, and they're still continuing to do so. What interests us? And if that happens to be a lot of women that are making the decisions, so what? I mean, no one sits around saying the sports pages are wedging men and stereotyping men. I mean, they're just there. They <laughs> happen to be produced overwhelmingly by men, but men and women both read them. I think it's the same thing here. Um, when you say Daniel Ricardo, for instance, I think that's something that is definitely appealing to a lot of male readers. But it's not like it's alienating <laughs> to To uh, female readers, and I, I think that 's the same for a lot of our product. We will be having men, for instance, in the fashion pages. Our beauty page in the first issue is uh, about lo- like the gender blurring fragrances, and of course it 's father 's day very soon, so we have <laughs> father 's Day travel page, so there is a lot of content there that talks to me, but also Andrew rule is a contributor in the first issue, and he's written a very long feature about the gangster wives. And, of course, Andrew Rule's got a very uh, solid male following. So uh, there certainly will be a lot from that first issue onwards. And certainly, obviously, I can't give away too many specific details. I'm sorry about what's coming up, but I can certainly tell you that there are uh, some long features, including cover stories coming up over the, the next few weeks that will definitely be very appealing to both a male and a female demographic
0: are you going to write at all for this or will you just be sort of editing? Uh, Because you're a very prolific um, writer, um, Sarah. I mean, that's why I think one of the reasons, because newspapers are... Sure, it's quality, but quantity is important, isn't it? When you, when you, (laughs) so you you really shine in that area as well. So
2: the upward curve on the lip just dropped down when you said, "Oh, you're going to be (laughs) writing." I
1: I, I got it. That exact I have to tell you, the first thing I did Mm. when I accepted this job was fire myself as a (laughs) columnist. I was like, "Get rid of that girl!" Um, Not was probably
0: part of relief too, was it? It was deadlines. I just,
1: it's been, it is a little bit um, crazy and uh, obviously, you know, all of us Mm. in the media are all being torn in a a million different Mm. directions Mm. and, uh, you know, I'm not going to get the violin and (laughs) start saying, oh, it's me, I've been working 14 hours a day, but I I think, you know, without drowning in self-pity, it is just a realistic admission to say there is only so much that I can do. Um, Chris Dorr, the editor of the Daily Telegraph, um, when I told him that um, I would be stepping away uh, from my role at the Daily Telegraph and um, as editor of Rendezvous to become editor-in-chief of Stella, he did say, will you continue... To do a column for the Daily Telegraph, uh, and I was like, "Well, I could maybe do once a month." So I've moved away from once a week (laughs) to once a fortnight. Now I'm once a month, and I'm really making myself stick to that, just to keep that in there. Because you obviously you do connect with the readers, and the readers do check in what's happening. And I just I love having that format, and obviously do do a lot of um, you know commentating on on, you know, the Today Show and Project and other shows like that. So it is nice. Obviously, I have a lot of strong views on a lot of issues and it is nice to have that platform where you can talk about that separate to the magazine, which is very much its own entity and certainly anything that I edit. um, Obviously, it's got bits of you and you can see your character and I think that you look at the cover line of the first issue and, uh, you know, people that have looked at it have gone, oh, I can tell you wrote that. You know, there's a certain time, but obviously Stella, is not in anyone's person, um, you know, image. And so it is nice to have that little outlet. So I won't be appearing as a columnist no. in Stella, but I will still be doing a monthly column. For the Daily Telegraph, and I do have my little Ed's letter, James. So I get to,
2: <laughs> I get to do a little bit of writing there. I was there. just about to say it's not all over. You've still got the editor's letter. Exactly. <laughs> it was a long
0: Ed's letter. I bang on sometimes about long Ed's letters. I just think
2: oh. no, people really don't short. read them
0: unless it's no. short and pithy. You know?
2: just a little very column sure. on the right-hand side of the page. It's exactly. Not very long.
1: Well done. Yeah. I think it, I think it's about 160 <laughs> words. Yeah, so So hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> all look,
2: those emotions. Exactly.
1: <laughs> Hopefully people will stay with me to the end of that.
0: Right.
2: Okay. Um, talking about again going back to the mass audience, you just said mm. that you're trying to appeal to a younger audience as well. Um, a lot there's a lot of conversation about young youngsters not picking up the magazine or any print mm. products anymore and you know, just going to different digital websites or apps for their news and mm. for their long form reading and stuff. So in that in such a market, how are you planning to appeal to that 25-year-old to pick up mm. Stella or to buy that Sunday paper in order to read Stella yeah. because Sunday Style had an app as well, but like you said, it's still skewed to an older audience. Yes,
1: that's right. Look, I think um, it's, it's so fascinating to me um, when you do talk to younger people and, you know, I was talking to my uh, niece nine, who's 19 years old and, you know, she just doesn't read any magazines at all and I, I just find you really got so, to explain
0: to her I, when you say magazine and
1: it's like <laughs> made paper it's are you familiar Eagle. with paper <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about it's away from a screen um, it, it's such a good point and I think that is probably in a lot of ways what the gift is of a NIM um, is that it is coming inside a, a paper that is in obviously a lot of households I mean it's Uh, Inside, you know, 2.3 million readers have access to those three papers. So it's a lot of teenagers a lot of potentially disinterested young 20somethings that are still as we all know still living with mum and dad because they can't afford to pay their own rent and well well that could be <laughs> uh, and there's certainly um, a lot of potential for them to stumble upon a magazine in that so I know um, anecdotally that there are a lot of you know, young teenagers and, and 20somethings that do read these magazines because you know their parents have got the newspaper and I actually think it's a good way to get a little bit of that magazine passion instilled in younger people. As for how Stella is specifically targeting that, we will be having, uh, you know, still your people like Kylie Jenner, Gigi Hadid (laughs) popping up in the magazine, certainly in the fashion pages. Um, We've uh, primarily been using celebrities for the fashion shoots um, right through for the next few months. And, um, you know, unlike me, the fashion team is incredibly hip and incredibly... (laughs) Cool, and they have done uh, like some very cutting edge, you know, high fashion fashion shoots, including a lot of uh, you know very popular young Australians. So, I mean, they they are fashion shoots that would hold their own against anything that's produced in Australia, and you know, the acting fashion directors from Harper's Bazaar. So, you know, they really are the best of the best, and there it will be a lot of content there that continues to talk to those young readers. So I just hope that they accidentally stumble upon a magazine in their parents' living room, all the better if it's Stella, and that they uh, they realise that the beauty of magazines, it's not just all happening online.
0: <laughs> this can be a harsh business. I'm sure we've all had magazines we loved that just couldn't find a business model that worked for them and they had to close. Mm. How will you be judged... On the success of Stella, I'm, I can think of ad revenue as an obvious yes. one. Yep. And maybe, I don't know, the, the magazine has another purpose of pulling people in to buy buy yes. the newspaper. Is that yeah, look, that's a very yeah.
1: astute observation and uh, I think that's certainly core to the expectations surrounding Stella. The Sunday readership is so huge in Australia and, uh, you know, obviously... Um, a lot of us, and certainly within the media, fall into this trap very quick to talk down our own industry. And there's lots of talk about declining circulation. When you look at the the amount of Sunday newspapers that are sold in Australia, it's still a staggering figure. It's well and above you know any other format. And if you look at the three papers that play host to Stella, so the Sunday Mail, the Sunday Herald Sun, and the Sunday Telegraph, like I said, it's 2.9 million readers. Really, if we look at other mediums, uh, you know, look at TV, I mean, outside of the Olympics and state of origin, you you just don't see those sorts of numbers anymore. Um, So I think the idea that the company has made a serious investment talks a lot to the fact that there's still a really solid um, tradition in this country to buy a paper on Sunday. And yes, I work for News Corp Australia, so you'd expect me to say this, but the facts do bear it out, they are actually, the consumers are buying a News Corp Australia paper on Sunday. So really it's just about making sure that those readers still feel that there is um, a reason for them to pick up the paper every weekend. And like I say, that's very much been a very clear objective for the company Um, in 2016. Stella is very much at the centrepiece of it. So yes, it will certainly be, um, I think the magazine's, uh, success will be measured by uh, the how those three papers continue mm. to perform and absolutely, obviously, commercial um, success. I think they're the two. Yeah, things. and
0: I guess I think News Corp does research, don't they, into why do you buy this newspaper? Yes. And you'd be hoping Stella's up near Stella the top of those Stella, reasons. Stella, Stella.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly
2: speaking about readership and circulation of the sunday papers when it comes to the eastern board properties of news mm. called papers the readership's actually gone down in the last one and i think it was down in the previous one as well so does that put in extra pressure in terms of you know insert magazines being the big draw card for mm. readers buying sunday paper is that much on your on top of your mind at all well see i think it's an that really cuts to the heart of it so
1: Those papers are actually very popular in their own right in Mm -hmm. terms of their EGN content. Uh, We we see that, uh, you know, like last Sunday, for instance, there was the splash about, uh, you know, war veterans and the high suicide rate, and that was done in Sunday papers and then kick-started that really big national discussion that, you know, went on the Prime Minister actually called a press conference to address it. I mean, that's not unusual for those Sunday papers. So I think their EGN content is, uh, you know a core part of their ongoing success and then again you do have things like body and soul and the revamped escape so there's a lot of reasons why those sunday papers are so popular and i think with stella it's really just about making sure that the magazine is delivering far and a above what anyone else is doing in that world of the insert magazines. Um, So, yes, I mean, I wouldn't lie. I definitely feel a lot of pressure. And, you know, if the circulation of those three Sunday papers was suddenly to plummet, obviously I would be very quick to blame it on something else, but I'd have to (laughs) to quietly think. Uh, So there's certainly a very tangible thing. But like I said, there are a lot of reasons that those papers are very popular And obviously, we'd like to think that will really help boost and maintain that popularity. But they are a big, um, you you know, complex package of Sunday papers that deliver on a lot of fronts. And, you know, we're really just one of them.
2: When it comes to your readers the readers in Sydney, totally different to when you go up to Brisbane, the vibe's totally different. You go down to Melbourne, again, it's a completely different vibe. Mm. So how do you ensure you um, appeal to those three markets equally? Mm. Like, do you have to make little tweaks and yep. stuff there? Yes. No, great
1: question, and we do. Um, so, uh, as you would know, so the, the the magazine has sort of got your three pillars. So you've got your news and entertainment, mm. which is our cover feature, and then all of the other features, and then the columnists, which I can talk to about a little bit later, if you like. Uh, then we've got our lifestyle content, and then our third pillar is food. So we've got Donna Hay, who's doing a double-page masterclass in this first issue. But uh, we have delicious on Sunday, so that's ten-page supplement that's mm-hmm. being created for um, Stella magazine. How many so, pages in
0: your first
1: book? Um, yeah. Seventy-six pages mm-hmm. in New South Wales and sixty-eight in Queensland and Victoria. But we've got a. Uh, Vogue Fashion Night. So, is so there a different edit
0: for different markets? It's, or is it mainly just ad it's, pages? It's, all them ma-
1: it's just the VFNO um, inserts affecting
0: pagination. Stop talking all these acronyms. Issues. Come on. Okay. Vogue Fashion <laughs> Night.
1: Out. I think it's very hard to say. I was say. going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. yeah. I've seen a few people stumble over that. What about EGN2, uh, uh, oh, which is oh, yes. Early Sorry, General News. Sorry, Early General News.
0: And NIMS was
1: uh, so the that, newspaper insert. Yes. There you go.
0: I won't tell you how long I worked to me week before Obviously. I knew what NIMS meant. I, oh, I just never dawned on me. I've sat in so many um, meetings in the last
1: seven weeks and people have been there with acronyms and I'm like, what on earth is that? And then of course some of them aren't even mm. industry specific. Well, good on you
0: for asking. I sorry. can pretend and go, oh yes, really.
1: Oh no, don't worry. I'm go- I Googled one the other day. I was like, what on earth was that? So, sorry. Oh, sorry, so back to the States. Yeah. I do apologize for that's my nice. acronym. No, see. Nice that makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's no shame in Googling and acronym <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, in terms of pagination, then the second issue will be 60 pages across mm-hmm. all of the three
2: states. Okay, right.
1: So, uh, so yes, this was just coming back to um, the answer about plate changes. So, Delicious yeah. on Sunday. So, this is 10 pages here that runs um, in Stella, And it's fantastic. So, you can see there's a great team there of celebrity chefs. Matt Preston does a column. And then each of these chefs will be contributing like a weeknight meal planner. Um, which is across the five nights. I think it's great because it gives the magazine... A bit of longevity. I think that's something that will really, you know, entice people to keep it on their kitchen bench or on their coffee table. Um, but a really exciting thing here is that Woolworths have also brought into Delicious on Sundays. so it's obviously such a commercially appealing proposition. But you know, for me as editor in chief, just such a great opportunity to be incorporating Delicious on Sundays. Obviously, Kerry McCullum is the editor in chief of the Delicious brand, so she has a team and she is overseeing this content in Stella. So. I, I think it really does give us um, a, like a really big added value and certainly, again, a big point of difference from other magazines. But there are um, reviews and news, uh, local news in this, and we will be changing that for each of the states. Mm-hmm. So there will be a, a state-specific page in Queensland, in Victoria and in New South Wales. So to, to, in terms of local sensibilities, we will be tailoring for that. But again, having worked on a national site for the last 18 months. I think when you're just focusing on storytelling and interesting characters that, you know, content is a lot more universal when you're really letting the narrative do the work. Um, and so we have, for instance, uh, we're profiling a very well-known a sportsperson in one of our first few issues, and uh, a writer from the Sunday Mail in Brisbane is writing that for me, and I was just talking to her and saying, "So yeah, this is someone that doesn't have that immediate first name superstar status in Victoria and New South Wales that they do in Queensland." So just make sure. That the assumed knowledge is not too high, and that you're making sure that that person translates to the other state, so we just have those discussions with our our readers so that anyone that has been writing for for with our writers sorry that anyone that has been writing for one specific masthead understands this is Eastern seaboard it's quite broad and that you really find the universal hook and go for it.
2: Mm. And so when you get the delicious on Sunday section seems mm-hmm. to be quite an ex- exciting proposition for the reader of Stella. Obviously, delicious being a big brand on its own. Once mm-hmm. you get the copy from Carrie McKellum, you know, once she submits it, do you, do you even bother going over it? Yes,
1: so th- she's got a whole team here. So there's four people and they are working solely on Delicious on Sunday as its own entity. So it's all original content for us. So I and guess she they're... was
0: asking, do you get to edit that or does that just go no, in? And...
1: They, they have their own team. Yeah. So I so look at just it. So that's like
0: finished pages virtually?
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is, which is great. Um, but obviously we do look at it and mm-hmm. we come together once a week for pagination, which is when you know we go through the whole issue. And um, it was funny because that actually happened yesterday, it felt a little bit like... Does anyone ever remember the first episode of the Brady Bunch? I I saw it on, um, (laughs) you know, one of those rerun cable networks a few years ago, and it's so like when you know all the step kids meet, and I felt a bit like that with me and (laughs) Kerry, like we were sort of, you know, there like the kind of mum, go, oh hi, have you met so and so?" and it was just very funny because you know we're all in this together, we're all part of the broader Stella family, and we hadn't actually met, so it was everyone. I'm very pleased to report got along very well. So now they are actually very much their own entity Mm. um but we are across and we will be having planning meetings and certainly um you know i i mean there was like a tiny little note that i had on their first cover and that i just relayed that to the team down there and said this is a thought and they took it on board and incorporated it so you know it will be quite collaborative in that way
0: the, so you're into your cycle now because you've had a little while to work on the first issue but yes. and now you're into your weekly uh, routine. Yes. So you need to work still a fair way in advance, I'm guessing, yeah?
1: Yeah. Oh, look, I, I like to work a lot in advance and I think when um, uh, Stella's very ambitious in terms of the calibre of people that we're seeking to feature mm-hmm. in the magazine, so we have had yeah, obviously lots of people approaching you with um, people that might have worked as a cover on Sunday Style or, or some of the other inserts um, around Australia. And we're just like, look, that's just nowhere near the calibre that we would expect for stellar mm-hmm. cover. When you're looking at, you know, big A-list names in Australia and internationally, you really do have to plan ahead. Um, so we, we actually have... I have a document um, that is actually... Going up to next year, in terms of big ambitious things and some issue planning, and we're already looking at, you know, like our big Christmas entertaining issue and our Christmas gifting issue and our party season, obviously, you know, our spring carnival, all of that content we're working in advance. And then, in terms of the um, micromanaging, getting down to the wire, I also like to have an element of news. Value to it, which you you have to be a little bit um, open to change. So, for instance, in the first issue, um, we asked uh, a freelance contributor, Angela Mullard, to look into. We'd heard that there was a little bit of an influx of young women uh, signing up to be nuns and young men. ...entering the priesthood, which seems a bit counterintuitive. You know, we live in this sort of Kardashian era. Obviously, the church has been rocked by scandals and, you know, the Royal Commission. It it would seem, um, is this really happening? And I said to her, if there's any way you can get this, I'd love it for the first issue. And she went and she found people and she spoke to experts... And we've got that feature in the first issue. Now, that was what I would call a late Mm drop-in. And that was very much, I guess, me wearing my newspaper hat, that this was good and and that we had to sort of make a late change to accommodate that. So I think we'll try to maintain that news value while still very much the feature magazine part of us is, is planning weeks if not months in advance.
2: Now, I'm looking at the rough here. Yeah. and I apologise if it's just a misplace of um, pages but when I go back to the back of the book yeah. it's a flip book.
1: Yeah, so it's a reverse flip so this is uh, Carnival Cruises have bought in this reverse flip on our first issue so um, obviously very excited about that like from a commercial perspective. Um, the quality of the stock on Stella is uh, almost double um, the, the, um, uh, the weight of the stock on Sunday Style so that's led us uh, given us a lot more scope for various integrations and commercial partnerships for instance we can do a gatefold on stellar magazine and there is a lot of potential for reverse flip so we're very excited that Someone took us yeah. up on that for our very first issue, so yes um, that 's right, so that don 't worry it 's not a production error that is <laughs> meant to be that way you 're not looking at the at the front of Stella magazine back to front
0: uh, you mentioned before your columnist let 's talk about that, but crudy and I are very interested. How much does a columnist get paid these days? I mean <laughs> oh, do you No, well, you, you, oh, you don 't have to give okay. names, but I mean and this goes back to your work at Rendezvous, I yeah. guess do yeah. you do you like to have like a flat fee, and that's just it? So there's no argy bargy, or do you have to really pay regarding to someone's status as a as a celebrity or a writer?
1: Well, I think the most important thing for me is that it is important that you pay your columnists because obviously this is not been everyone a, does. Do you? No, they don't. No, um, and they, there is a bit of a cultural thing that's crept in, probably from opinion pay pay. Pages where you you're just lucky to be published. Mm. You feel strongly about an issue. Um, I certainly, with rendezvous, did fight hard that we would be paying our contributors, and certainly at Stella, obviously we do too. Um, and the in terms of the hierarchy, it's it's pretty um, uh, standard. I mean, we it's are sort very of lucky. Rate for most. We we are very for high caliber. Um, columnists. So the first uh, issue will be Carrie Bickmore oh, and right. then the rest of our roster is David Campbell, um, obviously a very uh, popular Channel 9 presenter. Uh, he's done some writing for me at Rendezvous, always was super, super popular with the readers. Um, Kate Langbrook and Joe Hildebrand, So we'll have those four columnists and they'll be uh, rotating on um, a monthly roster. And I, I don't think any of them would have any complaints <laughs> about what they're being paid. And certainly from our perspective, um, really, uh, you know, a great roster, a lot of uh, diversity there of different tones, different views, uh, different experiences in life, people living in different cities. I think it really is a good way to showcase... The diversity of the columnists, and uh, with Carrie Bickmore, this is the first time she's ever written a column. She okay. um, had been approached several times in the past. Did and you do it herself? Uh, yeah, she sure yeah. did. Yeah, and you know, it's really—they're um, all writing them themselves, which is great. And well, it's not and a weird
0: question, is it? Because no, no, there's still a bit of ghostwriting oh. goes on. Oh, absolutely.
1: It? Yeah. No, it does. Um, no, <laughs> Carrie absolutely wrote this herself, okay. and I was really. Um, really happy when I first saw it because she's really opened up and given a glimpse into her her home life and certainly um you know as a mother of two young children myself I really related to it and I think she's really um been very honest and candid and and brave because I Mm. think all column writing does require an element of bravery and uh similarly um David Campbell, who has written um, the second column the, to Time With Father's Day. I'm really, genuinely very proud of our roster of columnists. So I think have, they'll be very popular. Have
0: you worked with columnists or people you've tried to recruit and they just were terrible with deadlines or...? the quality wasn't there, because it's not easy, is it? For me? No,
1: no, it isn't easy. Look, I would say over my years as an opinion writer that you certainly sometimes take a punt on someone and um, they just don't follow through. I think... Sorry, who was that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no names. Um, one thing that's really interesting, generally, in the world of opinions, is that people often think they can pinpoint who would be a good columnist or opinion writer from personality. So you know that loudmouth person in the meetings that go, oh, and the thing that was wrong with that, and this is what's wrong with it. And then you say to them, you should write that down, that'd be a really good column. And often it's those people that really tend to go to ground Mm -hmm. and retreat. It takes a certain type of person that will actually commit those ideas and those views to paper um, because we do live in a time we've seen it, especially with social media, where you, you speak out with an opinion and people will come after you and there is very much on social media a massive you know pack mentality, a real mob. Um, bullying approach to columnists. So it does take a certain degree of bravery. So I've seen lots of people think they've got an idea, and then you know what, they just never materialise on it. Um, And I'm very happy that these four people know exactly what they're getting into. Uh, Also, obviously, um, I protect our columnists. So, you know, that's something that I did very closely when I was opinion editor at the Daily Telegraph and Rendezvous It is a relationship of trust. And I've seen columnists, um, you know, attacked and, and bullied for, for things. And I always check in with them and I stand by them. And if we work on something and we publish something, then I've always got their back. And uh, I, I would like to think that, you know, coming into Stella, that all of these contributors knew that because um, it's not an easy world. I mean, again, you know, I'm not suggesting we get the violin out for anyone, but it it really is... um a, a difficult time to be an opinion columnist. I think anyone that sort of pops their head up and, and verbalises an opinion is at risk of, you know, getting getting the haters, shouting them down. And so I have great admiration for anyone that does that. Just,
0: just one more on that. You seem to be good at walking that line. I'm guessing you probably had a few arguments with editors maybe over the years about... because. A lot of what you've looked after does thrive on controversy, and the yes. more out there, the better. Yes. But I'm guessing you sort of, as you say, you've got their back, and you sort of, you know, you think, look, okay, we can go too far maybe, and risk maybe Absolutely. overdoing it when other people think, nah, look, the more controversy, the better.
1: Yeah, actually, a little bit of both. I mean, I certainly have been fortunate in well, that. You beat it um, up sometimes, you? No, well, I think <laughs> I've got, I think it goes both ways. I would say I've been very fortunate with the editors and the powers that be that I've worked with at News Corp that I'm not really a yes man or a yes woman. And I will say, look, I, I, you know, I think we should push back or, you know, I I can often be like... Uh, a sole voice on, mm-hmm. on various issues. Um, so, you know, I'm used to often being, you know, criticised by readers because I might seem, uh, you know, of, of having an unusual view to them. But then, you know, conversely, if I, like, pop up on Q&A, they'll all come after me because I seem mm-hmm. like an unusual voice. So, you know, you can't – you just sort of get howled down all the time for, you know, not sort of fitting a, a cookie-cutter size. But I have definitely – There's definitely been columns that I've just said no, Mm -hmm. no. Like, I think that they are ugly or that they're bordering on, um, you know, being um, sort of inciting intolerance or, or venom. So I've certainly... Uh, said no several several times but by the same token i have pushed back and if there's been a certain view said i think we need to run this other counter view i think that is what opinion is for Uh, i I honestly say uh, there really is no right or wrong opinion um you know i might disagree and plenty of people might disagree with me but if someone says to me hey i really disagree with you on paid parental leave you're wrong i will say okay cool put it down in writing and i'll publish it (laughs) Uh, I I I just think there's nothing more predictable mm. than having a platform where only one world view is allowed and yeah. I would say with you know absolute um, conviction that nothing I've ever edited has ever been like that and when people think that anything I've edited had a certain worldview or bias it's always their bias <laughs> you know they'll read one piece and they'll go oh this is some big feminist publication or feminist <laughs> stuff. and then the next day they're like oh you all hate women there so that's, that's got to do with them it's never had anything to do with us because I, I definitely pride myself on you know a divergence of views and, and voices cool.
2: That's really interesting stuff. And I know you have to go because you're working on a tight schedule at the moment. But I need to ask you this. In terms of digital, like I mentioned earlier, Sunday Style had an app. They've, yes. They also had a prolific presence on Facebook, Instagram, yes. Twitter. Are you going to be taking over all those four properties? And how is your content going to travel from the pages yes. to online?
1: Yes, uh, we will. So the... Sunday style, um, all of that social media will be transferring across to Stella Magazine, so that will start happening um, now as we speak in the days leading up to uh, our first issue on August 28th, so we will be maintaining that big Facebook presence, that big Twitter presence, obviously Instagram um, I leave that to the younger more hip people in the office than <laughs> me to take care of, and in terms of um, a website, we actually will have our own website stellamag.com.au, and and that will exist um, similar to Rendezvous on the masthead, so it's geo-targeted, so when you uh, type that in, it will take you to your local masthead, so if you're like me and you're in Sydney at the Daily Telegraph, if you're in Melbourne, obviously to the Herald Sun, and that, that content will be built by our own team, because obviously we want to really maintain um, you know, that, that high premium feel, You know, good headlines, good captions. Mm. Uh, you might have sensed so I'm a bit of a control freak, I don't <laughs> know, I just heard myself then. <laughs>
2: (laughs) And we have no one knocking on the door just yet, so I might slip another question through. We talked about all the prolific columnists and contributors you have, but um, as an editor-in-chief, you're also looking for that fresh voice that can tap into your audience as well. Mm. So what are you looking for when people are pitching stories to you?
1: Yeah, look, great question again. Anything that is going to kickstart a bit of a conversation. You know, for me, are the best moments in the office is when something lands on the subs desks and they all go, oh yes that happened to my husband I I mean I would be offended if someone gave me a Botox voucher and someone else says oh no I'd love it but I'd rather (laughs) that than you know some scented candle and they're all chatting away and it's so authentic and I'm like excellent because that's exactly what we're trying to do is provoke a bit of a reaction and provoke some chatter so you come with a good strong idea that's going to ignite conversation then let's talk
0: I've got a quick one to end on. To just tell us about the first cover. Yes. Um, w- your subject, where did you shoot it? Just a bit of background, yeah. bit of a story. So,
1: uh, our first cover subject is Elle Macpherson. Uh, look, it's so hard to decide on a first cover because obviously a lot of people are going to think, well, that's that's what Stella is. And of course, no single uh, person, even Elle McPherson, can completely encompass everything that a magazine is going to be. Um, but she is obviously an iconic Australian um, who most of us have known on a first name basis for, you know, mm. 20, 30 years years uh, we haven't seen that much of her lately this is her first uh sit down interview in a long time it is a world exclusive um, there uh, she is launching a new business venture and we went and shot this in hayman island so um beautiful location shots um at, at the resort and obviously it's so quintessentially australian i mean you look at that and you know that 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 was here on on australian soil beautiful uh photos a really great candid interview done by jordan baker um i thought Elle uh was very very warm very smart uh obviously we've all known about her business savvy but she gives a lot of nice personal insights so uh, it for us it really nails um all the objectives in that it's obviously a beautiful cover Mm -hmm. uh i mean i think all the composition of the the it's uh, the uh, the framing of it is unusual. You didn't go for a close up. Was, was there any
0: debate about that? The, yes. h- how big she should be on yes. the cover?
1: There was a lot of debate <laughs> about that, and um, luckily. Uh, um, me and my publisher, Nick Smith, prevailed on that. We felt very strongly that this was an important departure. This is certainly not something you'll be seeing every week. You will see plenty Mm -hmm. of tight photos. Mm -hmm. We'll have all sorts of different cover compositions. Um, But I just thought that the, the beautiful, you know, the pool, the light... The, the deck, it's just such a gorgeous photo with the greenery in the back. I just felt too close-up. There are some amazing close-up photos of Ellie in this shoot and okay. one of them we're running full page inside the magazine. So as an alternate cover, if you like. <laughs> but I just felt for what we're going for, which is an element of surprise mm-hmm. and um, unexpected but still beautiful, I thought that really came very close to perfectly summing it up. <laughs>
2: That's a stunning cover, but Nick Smith also mentioned he wanted Nicole Nicole Kidman on the cover with Keith Urban. So was he really let down? I mean, that's a stunning, stunning cover. (laughs) When did he say
0: that? What? Crudy, what have you done here, Crudy? Controversy. (laughs) We're
2: we're pretty
1: happy with Elle, but the good thing about Elle McPherson too is she's not polarising, like it's actually quite rare to find, you know, there are other really famous Australians that we will... Absolutely, be featuring on the cover and will be very delighted to do so. But you know, they can create a bit of a divided response. I think for, I'll have those fights, you know. <laughs> but I think issue one, I think if you can find someone who, um, you know, is interesting, is immediately um, iconic and recognizable, still has an era mm. of mystery about them because they haven't been everywhere lately. I mean, that's a difficult brief. I can't think of many other people outside of l that deliver on that. And again, it is beautiful. And I just think, you know, I wanted a front page that I can frame and keep by my desk and look at every day. and think that's a beautiful cover. And I honestly think we can do it with so that on one. Next-
2: that will be happening in the next week. I'm guessing this will be on your desk framed. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> framed forever.
0: Okay, look, we're just about to get booted out of here, I think. <laughs> um, get out. Use Corp's not the general place it used to be. Just come in, walk in by yourself. No, just wave the security, walk right through you when, you know. But yeah, it's, it's a different world these days. But, Look, uh, great getting here talking to you. Good luck with the first Thank issue, so Sarah. Thanks, we'll look James. out for you on Thanks the media circuit. I'm sure you'll be out there spruking it. Yes, you're you're I'll doing see a very good too. job <laughs> as a salesperson, and, and I hope they take you along to big. Uh, presentations to clients because I feel like right now to check too after sitting here. Oh, great.
1: I'll just take (laughs) you around to our sales department on the way out. (laughs) To
0: To the cash register. Okay, thanks very much.
2: Thank you both.